Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mix 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, Hawk fans, here we go. 55 minutes of Hawk Central coming your way right now. We're going to lead you up till 6.30. That's when we will throw things down to Waco. Chris Williams waiting to call Baylor-Iowa State women's basketball tonight here on KXNO. Chad Lystico is on his way back from Iowa City, so we thought we'd take this first segment and just hook up with our buddy Mark Emmert. They had a little bit of availability today with Fran, if I understand right, and some players. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Rob? I'm doing well. Am I saying this correctly? You had a chance to chat with Fran and a few players today. Is that right? We did. Okay. Yep. Uh, any any news out of the uh, you know the entirety of it? Well, there's no, like, breaking news. Obviously, uh, the big topic of conversation is the Michigan State team that's coming in here tomorrow night that's right. uh, ranked fifth in the nation, undefeated in the Big Ten, and uh, hammered Iowa the last time they played, 90-68. to So there's a there's a strong feeling that uh, this team is going to be much better. Iowa I'm talking about tomorrow night, but, uh, of course, we'll have to wait and see if that's the case. But yeah, are you, are uh, you, that, was, that was the main focus. Are you saying, Mark, that that was kind of the – what I'm picking up is the tone from the players was – We've got something to prove tomorrow night. Yeah, I asked, I asked both Nicholas Bear and Tyler Cook that exact question, if they kind of used that last game as motivation, and they said, yeah. I mean, there's no question. They've watched this film. They know what they – they say they know what they did wrong. Right. And uh, they know what, what they did correct. They also say they're a better team right now than they were back then. You remember that game uh, was December 3rd. They were coming off that loss here uh, against Wisconsin. So, Bear said they had, they had lost a little bit of their confidence going into that game, a little bit of their swagger, which they think they've got back now with this five-game winning streak. So. Right. Am I remembering right, we'll though, see. Mark? They were 100% healthy then. I don't. Were, they didn't have any injury concerns at Michigan State going into that game, did they? No, I, although Wieskamp got hurt during that game. Okay. His first true road game, he admitted today that he was uncomfortable in that game. He okay. felt the speed was too much for him a little bit. Well, the reason kind of I, the first time in his career he got overwhelmed. But go ahead. The reason I ask is because I think some Hawk fans wondering about Tyler Cook. He would have been 100% uh, in East Lansing. Where, where's Tyler Cook right now? Did you expect 100% Tyler Cook tomorrow night? Yeah, he told me actually after uh, the uh, Illinois game that he was feeling 100%. His, his knee and ankle both felt fine in that game, and he played 17 first half minutes, so I believe him. Yeah. thousand free student tickets were given away for this game tomorrow night. Any idea, Mark, what type of atmosphere to expect? Does this mean they were having a tough time selling tickets? Does this mean they want to make yes. the place crazy? <laughs> and they still are. It's, they've still got 2,000 tickets left as of this afternoon, so that's uh, a little surprising to me. A little, I would say a little disappointing for this uh, for the the team here they they want a full crowd obviously yeah. it's going to help them uh, with some energy so we'll see what i have. i know the weather is an issue uh, but uh to me that this should be you know, i mean this is the biggest game of the home season so far so yeah and the, i mean what michigan would be the only one that i think could be big i mean you know, yeah, wait till the end of the season maryland. yeah maryland Mar- maryland's coming in they're playing pretty well but yeah you're right michigan is obviously the defending final four team so that's going to one that's going to get a lot of attention that's the uh friday after this so what eight days from now all right, and I know our buddy Anthony wanted to ask about Michigan State here. I'll bring him in here real quick. Anthony, how are sure. you, man? Thanks for calling. Hey, Ross, pretty good. Let's just get ready for more snow. I'm just sick of the snow already. Yeah, we all are, buddy. What? Uh, but we're going to get a break. We get a nice day of no snow tomorrow, and the Hawks play tomorrow night. So that'll be a fun one. Oh, hopefully. Uh, Mark, the two questions I have, uh, what are your concerns for Michigan State for tomorrow night? And you know what? Look at the way the Hawkeyes are playing right now under Lisa Bluter. What are, your, what are the chances are for the Lady Hawkeyes to catch up, get their first Big Ten outright title 
for the rest of the season. Do they have enough gas in the tank to catch up with Rutgers tomorrow tonight? Anthony, I don't want to tease. I don't want to tease too much towards the end of the show. But uh, for your for your ladies' basketball question, stay tuned here to, to Hawk Central. Okay. <laughs> I think you'll, I think you'll like the answer, but uh, yeah, thanks, Anthony. Go Hawks, thanks. buddy. Yeah, Mark, I'm with yeah, you. The, I think you'll like the answer, right? <laughs> the big concern, obviously, for Michigan State is what happened last time. Nick Ward went ten for ten uh, in that game against uh, Iowa. They had no answer for him. They scored forty-eight points in the paint. They made twenty-one layups against Iowa in that right. game. Uh, if they scored ninety points despite making only three three-pointers, it was just it was just a massacre. And they, obviously, Iowa knows they can't let that happen again. Michigan State is so good in transition; they just they just yeah. run constantly out. Whether you make a basket or miss a basket, they're running down the court, and you've got to match that speed. And uh, if you don't, they're going to get a lot of layups, which is what happened in, in the East Lansing. So that's the big concern right there: is Vic Ward and those post players, Kenny Goins. I think also had 19 in that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michigan State has won 20 straight Big Ten regular season games. I mean, they're just obviously a great team. I think we all know that. So uh, if they get going, it can be a long evening for the for the home team, but. Iowa, I think, needs to try to get Ward or some some of those guys in foul trouble. Uh, they've been yeah. pretty good about that this year. Uh, I think that's their best chance is to maybe get get a guy to sit out for a little bit and maybe get to the free throw line. And obviously, they got to be just much better in transition defensively because that was appalling what happened in East Lansing. Yeah, we're going to hook up with Chad Lysico just before six, and we'll spend a lot of that time previewing this Michigan State matchup tomorrow night. Chad also opened things up to Twitter questions, and we received a bunch of them. So we're going to go through a ton of your listener questions tonight also. Kevin wanted to weigh in from Des Moines. He's got one more thing about Michigan State. Hey, Kevin, thanks for calling, man. Hey, no worries. Hopefully everyone's safe and safe and warm. Uh, just wanted to mention about the Michigan State game with the, the tickets. I'm not really shocked that they can't give them away right now. It's a 6 o'clock tip, is it not? Yes. 6 o'clock tip? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin, I thought it was more the weather, and I was I was trying to think of, you know, if Pull it's out. just fan apathy. Maybe it is that 6 o'clock tip that's a part Pull. of it, too, man. Who outside of Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, and maybe Dubuque. Or Waterloo, yeah, maybe Denport. I, I think that's a stretch too. I mean, you're taking some Des time off work. There. Yeah, right. Des Mo- yeah, Des Moines not getting there at least until probably halftime. Kevin, for the Michigan game, I'm taking that Friday. I'm going to take my son over to that game, and I'm taking that Friday huh. off. And I think that's an eight o'clock tip, if I remember right. That's, that's also six. It's six. Well, it's a good thing I'm taking yeah. the day off then. Kevin, thanks for the call, <laughs> man. Appreciate oh, it, buddy. No Have a great night. Yeah, I think that could be something. Yeah, I mean, I hear the same thing about 8 o'clock tips. The people don't like those because they're too late. So it's, it's unfortunate, but you, you get almost no 7 o'clock tip-offs anymore in the Big Ten. It's a doubleheader thing they do all the time. So it's going to be either a 6 or an 8, and apparently fans don't like either. Some people so, yeah, are... You're right, maybe that is a factor. Mark, some people are trying to tell me it's just because Hawkeye fans suck. Is that is that part of this? Well, I mean, I, that's a harsh thing to say. I, I've known many that I've enjoyed. I've known a few that I could say probably suck. But, uh, <laughs> I think they're in the minority. Right. I, I don't think I would. I would make a blanket statement like that. I just think uh, there's probably a lot of factors that work there. And maybe people just don't believe in this team yet. I'm with you. I, I, I think there are factors. I, I think there's multiple. All right, when we get back, we'll hook up with Chad Lystico, preview this Michigan State matchup a little more. Take your questions on Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Back at it with Hawk Central here. We'll wrap up the 5 o'clock hour, as promised, with uh, hooking up with our buddy Chad Lystico here for uh, the final few minutes of 5 o'clock. Uh, some interesting opportunities today, obviously, with the... Uh, 
the guys getting over to to chat with Fran McCaffrey and Mark Emmert, able to kind of recap that. In that first segment, you missed any of that, it'll be up on the podcast here shortly at hawkcentral.com. You can uh, download the podcast, of course, review it and rate us. That helps out a lot. I think we're supposed to say that, Chad. I don't know if we ever do, but it does help out a lot with uh, with all that iTunes stuff. Uh, uh, slow going today for you. How you doing, Chad? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, big game tomorrow night for the Hawkeye men. Yeah, you uh, you did a, a thing. You do this a lot where you will kind of reach out to some of our listeners on Twitter and ask them for some questions. I thought maybe this would be a, a, a chance in this next 45 minutes for us to just kind of um, you know, bring some of those in. So if at any point you feel, Chad, like our conversation is leading towards one of those questions, uh, I would, I'd love for you to, to jump in. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about this, this game coming up tomorrow night against Michigan State. They're coming to Carver Hawkeye Arena after a beatdown up in Lansing. What are the, what, what are some of the keys to this game for the Hawkeyes, Chad? Yeah, I actually reached out to uh, Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. is one of our uh, Gannett colleagues. Uh, he wanted to come on the show, but his travel arrangements wouldn't allow it, so I kind of interviewed him a little bit. Uh, he thinks uh, in Michigan State, this is a crazy stat. They are 8-0 in the Big Ten, but also 8-0 against the spread. So that he's kinda, he thinks a loss is coming at some point. And uh, I said, well, how do you beat Michigan State? And um, his answer was just just – abandon the idea of trying to get an offensive rebound and get back on defense because <laughs> uh, Michigan State really makes a lot of its uh, ground in the transition game. Uh, they got obviously a really good guard in Cassius Winston and man, a lot of big guys too. Mm. So uh, I thought that was an interesting strategy, you know, kind of uh, it don't crash the boards on offense. Um, you know, Iowa shoots the ball pretty well, so maybe rely on those shots and get back and play some defense. I couldn't agree with that more. Mark, it does. It would seem to me the answer's got to be at some point to address the physicality of Michigan State. Now, I don't know which the, what what the answer is. If you've got the the bodies or the you know the men to go down there and try to to swing in the paint with Michigan State, or do you try to beat them by going around the edges? It, it almost sounds like a football analogy here, but I feel like that's where it starts when you're talking about Michigan State. Yeah, that's that was definitely apparent in the game uh, up there in December that. Uh, they just beat the heck out of Iowa for 40 minutes, and Luca Garza had a really bad game. He was one for 10 from the field, so obviously uh, he's gonna have to show up uh, in a much better, bigger fashion uh, Thursday night. But I, I think Iowa hasn't playing a more physical brand of basketball this year. I do think that they have a chance to to, to go in there inside and have some effect uh, on the Michigan State big guys. Maybe get one or two of them in foul trouble would be uh, would be huge. Yeah, what a difference a, a week makes when we're we're talking about this stuff. Because last week when we did our win-loss projections for the season. This was a game that I was almost certain that the Hawkeyes were, were going to take a, a licking on. As we get closer to this game, though, Chad, I do feel a little bit more confident in the Hawkeyes, and I, I'm, I'm not sure where that comes from. Can you, are you, do you feel the same way? I mean, I know, you're not, you know you don't look at this stuff as a fan like I do, but should I, as a fan, feel more confident right now? Well, I think, I mean, I think uh, you have a right to. I mean, I was playing really well right now. Uh, you know, shot the ball as, as well as you could possibly imagine against Illinois. Uh, so I think the key is, you know, if, if they can stay hot, that's, you know, you just hope if you're a Hawkeye fan, you didn't waste all those threes <laughs> against mm-hmm. Illinois because uh, they're going to need about 10 of them probably against Michigan State. So, uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, get excited about it. You know, enjoy it. I, I can't think of a bigger game. Uh, for a couple of years with more meaning um, than this Hawkeye team has had at home. So 
it's right up there anyway. So I, I you know, fans, uh, they're letting the students in for free. You know, hopefully the arena will be a good atmosphere. Bill Raftery on the call. I just, you know, it's something to get excited about and enjoy. Okay, Mark, a guy called last night, right as soon as, soon as I ended the show, and uh, I was able to pick up the phone and talk to him for a few minutes. He referenced our show last week when we went game by game and kind of did a win-loss projection. You ended up being a lot more, well, not a lot, a few games more bullish on uh, on the Hawks than we were. And I think if I could go back, I'd probably swing your way on a few of these games. I, I see the Hawks now winning maybe 12 or 13 games in the Big Ten. If we could go back and do that, would you add some wins, or is this last week not not really changed your projections? No, it hasn't at all. I thought they'd win those games. I, I still got them 12 and 8. I think they, they need to go uh, 2 and 2 in these next four, and I think they will. I think I think tomorrow night is a very winnable game for the Hawkeyes. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them pull that one out. Chad, I think this uh, leads well into one of the questions you received from Mel David. Uh, the question was, with 12 games to go, now how confident are we that the Hawkeyes are making the NCAA tournament? Yeah, uh, right. I looked at the net rankings this morning. Um, they hadn't included last night's games yet, but uh, I was still solidly at 25. I mean, I think that's a big <laughs> that's the big measure to look at. That means you're looking at a six or seven seed right now. Uh, I think the the cool thing for Iowa in these next four games, they're all quadrant one games, and so really, you know. I mean, I don't want to say there's nothing to lose, but there's a lot to gain here uh, if you can pick off a couple of these games for your resume. So I think I think chances are really good right now that Iowa makes the tournament, and I think, uh, you know, if they can get a couple of these, then they're starting to play for a good seed. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I had Iowa losing to Penn State, and they won that game. I also haven't beaten Michigan in a couple weeks, so maybe that kind of counteracts. But, uh, you know, I had them 10-10. and 10. I'd say I still would be in that. 10 and 10, 11 and 9 range right now, but uh, I think that would get him in. You had 10, I had 11. Mark, you're you're stuck at 12, and I, I like the fact that you not only predicted those wins, but you, you you saw very realistic projections for this season. If it's a 12 and 8 Big Ten season, what type of rank? What, what type of of seed are the Hawkeyes looking at in March? Well, it was kind of a little bit on, on which which twelve wins they get. Yeah, Obviously, good. if they beat Michigan, yeah. Michigan State, uh, that's that's huge. But I don't think they're going to beat both those teams. I think they'll beat one of them. Uh, I think still uh, like a six seed is about right where I'd see them. That's actually a really good, really good spot for them to be in. And that kind of leads into a question that came from Matt Trenton. He wants to know about that Sweet Sixteen. Here's how he phrased it, Mark. I'm going to start this with you. What's the realistic ceiling for Iowa basketball in the next five years? Do you think Fran? Gets this Hawkeye team to a sweet 16. Wow. Um, that's such a tough question because, to me, that's going to depend on the uh, class, uh, recruiting class he has in two years when he loses uh, the Cook, Bohannon, Creener, you know, all those guys. And right now, I mean, he's bringing in good players, but you can't you got to bring in more than one good player a year. Uh, so I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sold yet on going forward. This team is going to get to uh, where fans maybe think it should get or want it to get, but uh, I mean they've certainly got a chance. But I, you know, he's, if he gets a Xavier Foster, if he gets some of these big time recruits to come here along with his son and along with Joe Wieskamp, they're going to have a very good team. But if it's just Wieskamp and, and his sons, you know, they need they need some more help. I like the uh, I'll, Mark. I love the way your brain works, man, because I think you're right. The, their best chance, I think, Chad, is going to be this year. I know I'm not saying this is a Sweet 16 team, but. The Sweet 16 is such a weird thing. I mean, you get the right two matchups. You get the right draw. 
you play really well one weekend. I mean, a Thursday and a Saturday, you're in the Sweet 16, and I see this team as being capable of beating a, a better team on a uh, you know on a given day. I, th- I think this could be a year, but I like the way Mark puts that. The window might be tighter than we think. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with everything you're saying there, Ross. Because I think uh, I think the key is just to get in. The key is to get in, and yeah. uh, you know, hope you get that draw that yeah. works out, and hope you catch fire. You know, and in, in one of those games where you hit 13 threes or something, because really that's what it takes in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, I think next year is is probably your best shot. I think next year is probably your best shot, uh, even if Tyler Cook's gone. Just because Weez Camp's a year older, you get Bohannon and those guys. Uh, senior year, you know, Pems will be back. Nunji will be back. Maybe Patrick McCaffrey in there, although, he, you know, I think there's a good chance he red shirts. So uh, I think these next two years they have a good shot, at least to have a shot at it. I I, I'm going to predict, yes, one in the next five years. I'll predict one. There you go. I'd take that. <laughs> I know that a lot of Hawkeye fans yell at that because they want expectations to be a lot higher. I'd take that. The Sweet 16 would be nice, and it might be this year. I mean, again, it's it's all about that draw, in my opinion. A couple uh, non-men's uh, basketball-related questions came in from Josh Olson, and maybe we could uh, hit these before we get to 6 o'clock here, fellas. The first one is about the women's basketball team. Uh, Josh wants to know, how far realistically can the women's team go this year, Chad? Yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is the this is their year uh, for Lisa Bluter if they're going to make a run in March. Now, I think realistically, I don't want to say the ceiling is a Sweet 16, but I think Sweet 16 is kind of the uh, promised land for this team. They haven't gotten there. I think that uh, you know right now they're 12 in the NCAA RPI, which the women use. Um, so that would give them a three seed right now and and host the first two games. So I think, yeah, uh, you know, Sweet 16, and maybe maybe you get the right three-seed, two-seed matchup and get to the Elite Eight. Uh, with Megan Gustafson, I think this is your year uh, for that team. So, you know, I'm actually covering the Iowa Rutgers women's game tonight. Uh, that'll be a fun game. Uh, starts at 7 o'clock. Uh, Rutgers is first in the Big Ten. Iowa is second. Wow, yeah, that will be a, a fun one. All right, Josh had another one that was not basketball-related at all. Uh, Josh, big winter sports fan. He wants to know about Iowa's wrestling team. Okay, so Chad, I'm going to ask you this one. How likely is it that Iowa wins three individual Big Ten championships in wrestling? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question, Josh, uh, because Iowa, I don't think, won any last year. They've really kind of struggled uh, at the Big Tens of late. Uh, even Spencer Lee didn't win last year, as you know. So uh, I'm going to say they're going to win two. I'm going to give uh, Spencer Lee's going to get revenge over Sebastian Rivera. And I did kind of canvas my wrestling buddies, Cody Goodwin and Andy Hamilton, on this. Uh, tough, tough road for Sam Stoll against Gable Stevenson of Minnesota, which will be at home this year uh, at heavyweight. So that's going to be tough. I think Austin DeSanto at 133 has a decent chance, but that's a stacked weight class. And then the other the other guy with the best shot would be Alex Marinelli at 165, uh, just because he's beaten uh, the national champion Vincenzo Joseph before, and Marinelli's looking really good this year. So I'm going to go ahead and predict two, but I'm not going to go to three. All right. Well, there's been a little bit of a polarizing topic here with Austin DeSanto, uh, Chad. He's cost the team a couple points uh, in, in in the last few weeks with some extracurriculars on the mat. 
Uh, that's a very polarizing thing for wrestling fans usually anyway, about how much emotion should be shown on the mat and and where that place is with the sport. It's obvious that the brands are 100% in the camp, that emotion belongs on the mat, and that's what makes wrestling fun for everybody. How do you kind of see this? I know you're a wrestling fan like I am. Um, how do you process Austin DeSanto the last couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, I watched both of those matches on TV. I didn't cover them, but uh, I didn't see anything over-the-top egregious to me that, you know, that is completely out of line. So I'm okay with I'm okay with the emotion. Uh, it looked like to me he was just really getting the crowd into it, enjoying the crowd. I mean, heck, the guy just beat uh, Nick Suriano uh, with a last-second takedown at Carver, you know, and uh, this is a guy that was in the NCAA Finals a year ago and hadn't given up, up a takedown all year, so... You know, get excited about that, and it really didn't cost anything, you know, as far as what the team score was going to be for Iowa in that duel. Uh, obviously, he's got to not do that at the NCAAs, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it so far. All right, that's, uh, man, there's our uh, three minutes of wrestling talk. I promise that'll be it, and uh, we'll have to wake up Mark Emmert here for the 6 o'clock hour. This uh, next 20 minutes, 25 minutes here as we wrap up Hawk Central, we'll get through a bunch of your questions. Uh, Thanks a lot to all of our listeners who reached out to Chad on Twitter, and uh, we got some wonderful stuff to get through. A few more basketball topics, some football topics, just kind of Iowa sports in general. All of that coming up here as we wrap up Hawk Central next on 1460 KXNO. Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. I'm Ross Peterson. Got Mark Emmert and Chad Leistico, my dudes from the Des Moines Register, hanging out with me. And tonight, kind of handling a bunch of your questions. A bunch of you sent in stuff to Chad on Twitter and uh, and reached out in other forums. And we wanted to kind of handle as many of these as we could, and uh, got about 20, 25 minutes here before we send things down to Waco for Chris Williams and Cyclone Women's Basketball. So we'll get through this here as quickly as we can. Chad, one of the uh, things that you, you the last couple of years, you've done these really nice sit-downs with Coach Ferentz. Was it this last interview with him where he talked about his two big regrets? Is that where that came from, was just this last interview? It was the one we did in the summer. Uh, before the season, I believe, where he talked about two coaching regrets uh, that he would not disclose at that time uh, that he would, wishes he could go back and do over again at Iowa. Uh, and then later he did disclose one of those uh, in a separate interview. Uh, but we still there's still rampant speculation about what those two are. Okay, so walk through us. What was the one regret that he's actually acknowledged? The uh, I think everybody kind of was on point on this one when they when they heard this 2009 Ohio State. Uh, I don't think you get any more regretful than that. Uh, that was obviously the game where Iowa could have won the Big Ten championship. Didn't have Ricky Stanzi, but uh, they played a whale of a game in Columbus, tied 24-24. Uh, Mari Spivay makes a big third down stop. Iowa calls its next to last timeout uh, with 59 seconds left. Uh, punter shanks it. Iowa gets the ball at its own 33-yard line with 52 seconds left, one timeout. All they need the field goal to win the game, and Ferentz uh, decides to play it safe, run one into the line, and they don't run another play again. It's crazy to rewatch the game. Uh, I rewatched it yesterday, and he's, he's motioning out to Vandenberg, 
stop. He just like wait, he halt, you know. And all the guys are out there in shotgun formation, like ready to go. And just and just think in today's era, I mean, back then that was a that was a terrible call. Now today, especially with the you know the passing offenses of of you only need thirty yards and you got one timeout and almost a minute of game clock. I mean, for the Big Ten championship to not go for it really is kind of egregious. And I know that that was one of his regrets. I always think, you know, I always I watch people and I think, man, we take sports way too seriously. Like, why do we why do we obsess about this so much? And those silly people that obsess about sports like this, Chad, I can remember exactly where I was that night. I I, I remember there was I was a DJ, a mobile disc jockey at the time, and I would go and do like high school reunions. And there was an East High School class reunion uh, from 1989. That was that night, and I can remember watching the game in the bar, and now I'm realizing I'm one of those people that I always make fun of. Mark Emmert, uh, I need your counseling here. I need, we need tape of that reunion. Does that, does that exist anywhere? All, all burned, my friend. <laughs> oh, my. I just, this is, I can see, I remember that moment, and I'm glad, Chad, I think that's, you're right, that's, uh, it's an obvious one. So then, I'm assuming rampant speculation comes with what this second coaching regret is until Coach Ferentz reveals it to us. You, but you've done some research on it, right? Well, I think there's a couple that stand out to me, and I'll kind of, I'd like to get your thoughts on these. Uh, I think that it has to be one of these two, and I think, um, Let's start in 2005, the Michigan game. Um, that was a that was a, supposed to be a special Iowa team. Uh, Michigan ties it up at 17 uh, with a, about three minutes to go. I didn't move the ball really that well all day, but they march uh, from their own 12 all the way to Michigan's. Uh, I believe they got down to the 15-yard line, maybe the 14. Uh, with still a minute 10 to go, second and four. And uh, rather than and, – and still had a timeout left. I think two timeouts left. And uh, Iowa goes with a, a run into the line and a shovel pass for basically no gain, no gain, and uh, wind it down to kick the field goal to force overtime. Uh, I should have said Iowa was down three. Uh, they forced overtime, played for overtime instead of going for the touchdown there against Michigan. That obviously is one of the more painful losses, uh, you know, in Iowa history. Uh, it's also remembered as – uh, for a certain official that called 11 <laughs> penalties on Iowa in that game versus three for Michigan. So um, and that one to me is, is not going for the win, kind of is in line with that Michigan or that uh, Ohio State game. Seems, yeah, they're, they're very similar uh, type of stuff. Were there some others that jumped out at you, Chad, that uh, you thought could be in this running? Yeah, uh, I think the 2010 game against Wisconsin, I know this is one that Mark covered uh, and wrote a lot about two back back when he covered the Hawkeyes. Uh, a lot of people talk about the fake punt from that game, and I think that uh, certainly that's a regretful moment in Iowa football history. Uh, but I kind of looked closer at that game, and I think there's a, there's a stretch right at the end that maybe people gloss over. Uh, Hawkeyes had the ball at Wisconsin's uh, right around the 40 uh, with uh, fourth and one. Ricky Stanzi sneaks it for three yards down to the 39 with like 12 seconds left, uh, Iowa has one timeout left. Now the clock stops uh, on a first down, as you know. But rather than spike it, Iowa actually used its timeout there 
and and nobody I don't think to this day can figure out why and it's, that has to be a head coach call uh, to do that and the, and then the very next play they throw a completion to Adam Robinson who is tackled in bounds and Iowa cannot stop the clock they had Mike Meyer really good field goal kicker uh, end up losing that game because the clock ran out 31 to 30 and that that game has essentially uh, begun uh, Wisconsin's dominance over Iowa for for nearly a decade now. So to me, I think that 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 particular call not to spike it and burn the final timeout, I think that that would be my my number one guess on what it is. I'd like to give you guys a spot. Oh, man. Another PTSD moment for me here. I can remember I was at that game. My cousin from Wisconsin was also in attendance. The plan was that he was going to meet us at our tailgate after the game. And uh, Mark, embarrassingly, we had to call him and tell him not to come to our tailgate because I was kind of afraid for his safety. Yeah, that's the right call. Yeah, who wants to hang out with a Wisconsin fan after they just beat you by a point? Horrible. I do, but interesting. Mark, you, uh, Chad said you'd done some work on this game also. Is that is Chad on the money here? Because it seems to me the fake punt is what I remember, and I just remember losing all hope at that time. And to me, I don't even remember Chad as he's walking through this. That doesn't even ring a bell to me. But you've done you've kind of looked at this game extensively too. Yeah, well, I did at the time, and I think uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. The fake punt is the thing that everybody talks about still when you talk about that game. If you talk to Hawkeye fans about it, and they all have an opinion about it. And that's the one player that stands up, and I think Chad is right. I think that's absolutely right because I remember doing a story about the game and the aftermath about clock management, uh, just because of that that situation there, where they had a chance to, uh, you know, they could have gotten at least two plays off in a field goal uh, if they'd played that differently. And of course, uh, Adam Robinson, you know, didn't make his best play either. He had a chance to get out of bounds there, I think, and, and decided not to. But uh, I think I think Chad's makes a great point there. That's that's probably the thing that people don't forget about. Remember about that game is that Hawkeye still had a chance to win it after even that fake punt. Chad, any other regrets you'd like to point out here that you think are on the list, or should we should we move on? We've got a lot of questions to get through here. I, let's move on. We've got a lot more questions. Uh, I did look at the Arizona game that year, too, and that, boy, what a weird game that was. But that can be a different podcast for <laughs> discussion. <laughs> we'll do the regrets podcast sometime down the road. All right, uh, this one comes from Trip Manfro. Do you like the early season Big Ten games? Iowa will host Rutgers in Week 2 next season. And uh, he also wants to know if the Big Ten should go back to an eight-game schedule. Mark, how do you feel about Rutgers in Week 2 and an eight-game Big Ten schedule? You know, I, I don't mind early Big Ten games. I mean, why not? It's, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to consider Rutgers a Big Ten team quite yet, but I guess they technically are, right? So, um, yeah, that, that doesn't bother me at all. I think that's, that's fine. I think that's good. I, I mean, something, if it's a better matchup, you get something more interesting early in the year. Because some of those, those first three weeks outside of the Iowa State game, sometimes those games are just – Really hard to get excited about. Uh, eight games, no way. I, I, I think that should, I, I agree with kind of Gary Barr on this one. He wants to go to ten games in the Big Ten schedule. I mean, I'd say more Big Ten games are better. They're more interesting games. And it's better for the fans. And I mean, who wants to watch more non-conference games against weak teams? Not, not me. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm with you on that, Mark. I'd rather see them expand. And I know that's the direction they seem to want to go. All right, Chad. Real quickly, uh, you're all right with Rutgers in week two. And what do you think about the eight game schedule? Yeah, the thing I'd like to see the Big Ten do, uh, I know the eight-game schedule question is because the SEC and ACC play those eight-game schedules, and as you've probably seen, uh, those teams end up in the college football playoff pretty regularly. Um, so it does make it tougher on the Big Ten. I'm fine keeping nine, and I actually like the early season Big Ten games uh, even more. I'd like to do them every year. 
but I guess hmm. the one wrinkle I would like to see done with the Big Ten is I'd like to see them kind of move an open date late in the season like the SEC does, uh, where you kind of beat up on an FCS team like in Week 10 or Week 11 where you can get guys healthy. I think that would actually help the Big Ten almost more than anything, especially with that new redshirt rule. Um, you know, maybe move one of those those cupcake games later in the year. Um, for a, and I think there's just so many different advantages for that. So that's what I'd like to see different. That might be another topic for that uh, regrets podcast for, for the little ten minute segment because I'm not. You could sell me on that, Chad, but as a fan and a guy that used to go to the games, I. I, I get into that Big Ten season, and I, I feel the flow of that. And even when I start watch that happen with those other conferences, I just think it's it seems like a week off. And it I don't know if I would be down with that in November scheduling a you know a Northern Iowa or something. You could sell me on it. We'll talk about it. Bo Woolman writes in says Iowa football recruiting seems to be attracting a lot more guys that are NFL focused. How will the potential of more guys leaving early? affect the Iowa way? I think this is a great question. Mark, do you, you have any feel on this? Uh, how is this, guys leaving early, how does this affect recruiting? Well, I mean, it should be a, a, a bonus for Iowa to point to. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, having four guys really especially get drafted uh, is, should be good for the program. I mean, that's, that's just the way college football and high school football and football is moving. I mean, more kids are going to leave early everywhere, not just at Iowa. So Iowa's got to get on board and figure out how to make that work for them. I think it's fine. I think it's a good thing. I'm completely uh, in agreement with you on this, Mark. Chad, is there any downside to guys leaving early like this on recruiting? Well, not on recruiting, but as far as like the developmental part of the program, um, you know, it, it, it certainly stings Iowa more than it does other programs because you don't have that elite depth on the second, you know, second teamers. Um, but I do think Iowa's adjusting a little bit there. You're seeing actually more guys coming in in January now. And, uh, you know, I just think it's going to move Iowa's clock up a little bit where they're going to play these talented true freshmen more and more. And I, I don't think, I think we've seen Kirk Ferentz is, is willing to do that uh, if they're the right guy. Uh, so I think that's how it affects it more than anything. And it should help recruiting. I mean, uh, and they are, I think they're doing a good job in recruiting. I think that's a great answer, Chad. That's really, that's, I think that's what he was looking for when he says, uh, how does it affect Quote, the Iowa way. Good question, Bo. Next one comes from Mike Condon. How about upgrades or replacing altogether Dwayne Banks Field? Not a stretch to say Iowa has the worst baseball facility in the Big Ten. Chad, I'm going to have to lean on you on this. I I have no idea. First of all, is that true that Iowa has the worst facility in the Big Ten? Uh, As far as the field surface goes, it's right on par with everyone else because they have that turf field. So the turf, the field is fine. Uh, as far as the rest of the stadium, uh, bottom four of the Big Ten for sure is what I've been told, and maybe bottom two in terms of like clubhouses and that kind of thing. So it is very, uh, you know, Banksfield definitely needs some upgrades. I uh, did get some, uh, some really good intel on this uh, from somebody who would really know. <laughs> um, uh, they've been working for donors uh, probably still a few, few years away. Uh, they really kind of need – what they need is kind of that signature gift to get the ball rolling, and that's probably going to have to be, in, you know, they're trying to find someone that's willing to give maybe a million or two dollars, um, you know, because these things aren't cheap, uh, and that'll move you to the front of the line if you can get that big, uh, you know, gift, uh, naming rights, et cetera. So I uh, also told that maybe expect to see some phased-in upgrades. That's a possibility, too. Um, obviously, Iowa's baseball program is one of the best sports programs in the whole department, so... You'd like to see that improved. 
Um, they get good crowds. It's just too bad. You, the spring weather really just stinks in the Big Ten sometimes. Uh, you get cold nights and all that stuff. But uh, I think there's some momentum there. It just might take a little while. Mark, have they hit you up for that million-dollar donation yet? <laughs> yeah, I, we're in negotiations. I'll let you know. <laughs> the nice thing is they'll take a check. Uh, all right, so the uh, Scott Trunkhill, maybe this is a, so, you know, the, a good segue. And again, Chad, I'll start with you on that. No, Mark, this would be a good question for you. Which sport wins the next Big Ten championship? Oh, how about women's basketball? We were just talking about it. That's good. Uh, they, I think they got a good chance this year, actually. So I'll, yeah, I'll go with women's basketball. Chad, is there one that jumps out at you, or is there a, is there a second behind women's basketball if they're your choice? Yeah, you know what? That was my choice. That was going to be my sneaky answer because I think they could win either the regular season or the tournament um, this year. But uh, second, um, boy, you know, I think uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would probably say field hockey. Uh, yeah, they were close as boring as that sounds. Um, you know, they were they were pretty good this year. So um, I'll go with field hockey. I, I mean, I think they're a ways away still. I think it'd be a long shot to expect it in football or men's basketball in the very near future. All right, Chad, let's start with you on this one. I know you follow recruiting a little bit closer than, uh, than Mark or I. One football recruit Iowa closely missed out on or even lost the past five years that would have made a big difference. Yeah, I thought about this a while. I know some people think it's, it would be Eno Benjamin, uh, you know, had a great year for Arizona State as a running back. Um, you know, I think some people would probably say Oliver Martin just because Iowa just lacks that receiver, uh, although he has not done a ton up yet, up there yet at Michigan. But I'm going to just go uh, Ross Piercebacher. Here's a guy um, that was committed to Iowa, ends up at Alabama. I think he played in four national championship games, right? Yep. Um, team Started. captain for Alabama. I mean, just a mad – I mean, the guy stayed all five years. Um, you know, obviously would have been, you know, a pillar on that offensive line and maybe gotten the run game going. Um, which was another question I got uh, that I didn't put in the rundown, but uh, that might have helped uh, the cause over these last couple of seasons uh, quite a bit. So I'll definitely go Pierce Bacher. I think that's a great one. I remember uh, being on the air in the mornings when here on KXNO when that decision was announced, and, and it was one of those, you know, like Harrison Barnes going to North Carolina. It's like, eh, you know, the kid's got the chance to go to Alabama. All right, so this one comes from uh, Bart Munson. And thanks to TJAC311, by the way, for the football recruit question. This one's from Bart Munson. And, and this is a constant, Mark. We're always hearing stuff about Kirk's eventual retirement. Bart wants to know, is it a foregone conclusion that Brian is the next head coach for the Iowa Hawkeyes? No, not at all. I think there, there ha- a lot that would have to happen for that to happen. I don't think, I don't think Kirk Ferentz is in a position to just name a successor. So I think that would still have to go through the athletic director, if it's Bart or whoever it is. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion at all. Wow, it's not the answer I was expecting because I thought it kind of, I, I thought as of right now, it was. I mean, I think if you get a, a, a couple of bad seasons, you know, you get, you miss a bowl game here in the next couple of years or you miss a couple of years of bowl games, then I think it's in question. But Chad, as of right now, I think I would have answered that question that, yeah, it does seem like a, a foregone conclusion. I, I know that's a that's a you know definite step to make in in this in this scenario, but it does seem like that's the the play here. Well, I, yeah, I'm gonna side uh, actually with both of you here, but I, I mean to say foregone conclusion, obviously, I would say no because just like you said, I mean if 
uh, you know, if Iowa has, you know, six and six and seven and five seasons here uh, repeatedly, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think the fan base is going to be, you know, salivating at the thought of a, a more parents. Uh, that said, if they, you know, consistently nine and three, um, you know, eight and four, ten and two, then yeah, uh, I think I think they would welcome that wholeheartedly. And then I think just the other question that kind of he alludes to there is, is uh, you know, how long will Kirk Ferentz do this? Um, yeah, he, he just did an interview with Scott Docterman, repeating kind of some of the same stuff that he's done with us too, um, that he just he doesn't know yet. He's, he says he thinks he'll know whenever the time comes up. Um, but he's, he's not thinking about retirement at this point, and I, uh, that's been a very consistent answer of his. So I just don't I don't know how long he will do this. I, uh, I think it's pretty clear he's not going to go past his, his current contract because that would take him to age 70. But that's still through 2025. So um, I think that's a, uh, that's a factor in the Brian conversation as well. I mean, if Kirk stays around another five years, is Brian going to wait around another five years or is he going to go somewhere else? Uh, that's another question, too. So, yeah, not a foregone conclusion, but I still think it's trending that way. All right, now the hard-hitting stuff here. We only got about four minutes left, so we got to revise Matt's question just a little bit. Last week you guys talked about how you actually have a draft and you pick the away games that you're going to travel to. Matt wanted to know your favorite restaurant in each visiting town. we got to narrow this down. Which restaurant jumps out at you when, you're, when you guys are sitting down to draft? You go, oh, my goodness, there's this place. Mark? <laughs> Well, uh, there's a certain place in Champaign that uh, Chad knows well, uh, but we usually both go to that on that trip if we if we go. Yeah, right, that's Chad? not a part of the draft. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I, when I like to go to Minnesota because like my mom's there, so I got home cooking. I don't really have a favorite restaurant in most cities that I go to. I'm sorry to say. What about you, Chad? All right, so the Illinois. Did you mention the name of the Illinois restaurant? It's called the Ribeye. It's it's uh, yeah. If anyone's sorry, ever been yeah, to Mark? Uh, the old Lark uh, in Tiffin, it's a lot like that restaurant. It's like kind of a steakhouse that pretty much just serves ribeyes. So, uh, but they have a really good salad bar, too. Uh, a couple places I like uh, that I kind of look for, uh, Happy Valley Brewing Company. I was just there. They have really good, they make their own beer, and it's really good. And they have really good wood-fired food as well. So that's one of my favorites. I've got a receipt to turn in from that trip, from this last one yet. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Another one that I kind of that's kind of sneaky, um, Buddy's Pizza in Ann Arbor. Uh, it's in that Detroit area, a Detroit style pizza. I don't know if anybody, it, uh, if, if our listeners have experienced that, but it's really good. Kind of get that cheesy caramelized crust over the top. It's thick crust. Uh, it's kind of something you don't get here. Um, a very poor man's. Uh, uh, or, or Little Caesar is a very Little Caesar is a very poor man's Buddy's, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that would be where I would go. All right, this last one. We got about 90 seconds, and this is an absolute look into your soul. Patrick Corcoran wants to know, best series to binge watch? Chad Lystico. Yeah, I, I can't remember if I've ever mentioned this on the air, but I would say uh, if, you, if you've got Netflix and you've never seen the show, do Sherlock. It's uh, three episodes per season, but they're, every episode is like a movie, and it's four seasons, and it's just it's really good. It's really funny. Really clever. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is the main star in that one. Uh, outstanding, outstanding British show. 
Mark, in all your free time, your hours of just leisure time sitting around, what shows do you binge watch? You know, I don't, I don't really binge watch anything, but I would have to go with Mad Men if I was going to do one. Jeez, old standby. That's kind of boring, Mark. Nothing new, huh? I know. I what about boring. Making I a Murderer? I binge watch That's the Big Ten Network. <laughs> I like that. Making a Murderer is a good one. That's I'd I'd, I'd put that up there. Uh, I'm a big documentary fan. Uh, I think Dirty Money is a series on Netflix that everybody should go through. It's got some funny stuff. It's got some really serious stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, for instance, one of the funnies is a look into the maple syrup industry in Canada. And they seriously, no joke, have a strategic reserve of maple syrup in Canada. It means that much to the people up there. We'll be back with more next week. Hawk Central with Mark Emmert and Chad Leistico. It's Cyclone Women's Basketball next here on 1460 KXNO.